Welcome to Improving Intimacy, a podcast to help single and married Latter-day Saints strengthen their family connections and marriages. Daniel A. Burgess is the host of Improving Intimacy. Daniel's a marriage and family therapist, father, husband, and author. Here's Daniel on this episode of Improving Intimacy. Welcome to another episode of Improving Intimacy, and today we're going to be continuing a discussion about how to navigate and discuss pornography within the family uh, between your spouse and your children. On today's episode, we have Brett and Shandy, and uh, I look forward to exploring their adventure with this topic. And so let's turn it over to you guys. Uh, introduce yourself. Let, let us know about some details of, of your family, uh, what's your status in the church, and uh, what your goal is. Um, I'm Brett Pingle. Uh, me and Shandy have been married 12 years. Yeah. 12 years now. Uh, <laughs> just hit 12 years in April. Um, we have four kids, ages from almost 11 to just turned a year. Both mostly from Utah and yep. we're active in the church. Good. So, How old are your children? Us. 10, 9, 7, and 1. Ooh. Got them tight together, and then you got the, uh, how many boys, how many girls? Two and two. Two and two. Two older, two younger? Uh, boy, uh, girl, boy, boy, girl. So. Oh, got it. All right, great. So they're getting ready to get into their uh, teenage years. You excited about that? Don't remind no. me. <laughs> <laughs> not, not sure I'm ready for a teenager. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I don't think we could prepare for that um, perfectly, at least. Uh, so I, I put out on a, our Facebook group, Improving Intimacy, uh, a request to find couples who are willing to talk about their journey in discussing pornography uh, and, and a, view, a few other related topics. And you reached out and said that uh, you've had this discussion between each other and you're learning how to navigate that with your children. Uh, you've been married for 12 years. And um, tell us a little about that journey. What was it like for you guys? Was it a difficult topic? Did it come naturally? Uh, what was your experience? I think for us, it came out pretty early because I've had my own issues and I, I guess you could say addiction to pornography that I've dealt with for many years since I was a teenager. I don't know or remember at what point it came out. I'm pretty sure it came out even in the dating process before we ever got married. So I think Shimmy was aware of it. Um, I don't think I realized how much he was into it. Not that he was viewing it every day. You, you talking about during the dating phase, Shindy? Yeah. Yeah, when we were dating, I know that he said that he wasn't viewing it every day, but I knew that he had some sort of addiction to looking at it. And then um, we just never really discussed it while dating, just that we knew that it was there and that it wasn't other than that. It wasn't really discussed until I really, I think I really realized until after we were married, I think within our first years when I noticed that he was looking at things. So you're aware of it during the dating. What uh, 
what kept you, Shindy, what, what kept you from exploring it more with him? Um, was it not a concern to you or did you feel like it was resolved? What, what kept you from pursuing that uh, concern or potential concern there? There's a lot of addiction in my family. Um, and so for us, I think it was just kind of, I know it's there, but I don't think my family ever really deals with their addiction on my side. And so for when I was, what, 17 to 20 years old, when we were just kind of dating on and off, I just kind of followed my family's steps of not really ever dealing with addictions or talking about them, just that you know they're they're there and that's kind of about it. And so he had told me and I was like, okay, and just I kind of left it and I didn't feel like it was going to affect me until after we got married and then I realized it kind of affected me in a different way than my family's history of addiction ever affected me. So Brett, when, when you're dating, do you feel like if you could put your addiction, if your usage of pornography on a scale of one to 10, one being really just occasional, barely existing to 10, it's consuming you daily for hours. Where, where would you place um, yourself? When we were dating? Yeah. When you're dating. Maybe a five. A five, okay, uh, and equate it, that. It's it's never it's never been one like I personally have a hard like it, it's an addiction, but I have a hard time calling it addiction because it's never it's never consumed. Okay, it, I've it, never felt like I I have to look I have to look I have to look at it. You know, it's never it it's kind of something that's always there, and every now and then I I pursue it. So it's impressive that you you weren't caught during dating. You it sounds like you you felt impressed or you needed to tell um, your soon to be wife that this was a problem. Or how did that come about? Well, we've known each other since we were fifteen. Yeah, so we we've known each other for a long time, and we were really good. We we've, we've always been able to talk. Um, and I, I think that's the biggest thing for us is we've always had really good communication and I've always felt like even my darkest secrets, I've been able to tell her. Wow. So it was never anything like, well, I've got to tell you something and you're not going to like it or anything like that. Kind of, it was always, I guess, conversation with us was always really fluid. That's excellent. That's wow. That's a, that's an ability I really encourage a lot of couples to have before they get married. So it's, it was present. Um, if you don't mind, if you're comfortable with sharing, when you say it's a five, how consuming was that? Was that like a few minutes a day, uh, once a week? How would you on average, uh, say, uh, probably, qualify? probably once a week, once a week. Okay. And so when, uh, you shared it with Shindy, and she reacted the way she did, like, okay, what were you thinking? Was it like, okay, I did my part, or what was what was your experience on your end? Um, oh, I'm trying to remember back that <laughs> Yeah, I guess it is a while ago. I, I really, uh, forgive me, I, I do like to explore this a little bit because I want to give people a sense of where they were and what, what it was like. And I, I think you, you may not be surprised, but a lot of people may be resonating with this a lot. Like, oh my goodness, I was able to be very open, share this information. And uh, it seemed to be the last thing we talked about until we got married. So I, I kind of um, want to provide that to the audience. So if you can, I realize it's, you know, 12, 13 years ago, 
But what do you recall? In fact, yeah, I, I think I think for me there was a level of relief that she wasn't like appalled or judgmental towards me, or um, you know, she she was really understanding. Okay, you know that. You no, know, I, I don't necessarily like it, but you know it it is what it is, and I still love you. And um, for me, it was it was really relieving that. I guess that it wasn't a deal breaker. That's that's wonderful. So you get married, and about how long into your marriage, uh, Shindy, did did it become an issue, or did you start to notice signs that okay, this is this is a problem? Um, a few months, a year, how, how long into the marriage? I would say six months to a year because we had accidentally gotten pregnant. <laughs> six months into the marriage and my first pregnancy was rather rough. And so I think our sex life had dwindled a little bit. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, then we didn't have smartphones or, you know, we had a laptop. We didn't have the smartphones or anything. And I think I was going across the laptop one day, just trying to remember some website I was looking at and I come across it then and, and then I just kind of I felt really sick in my stomach, and I wasn't sure how to approach it. And then as I looked more, I saw a little bit more, and I decided, all right, I knew this, but I need to approach him about this because he needs to know how I feel about what he's doing. Wow. And I think that's the first time it realized for me that, okay, just because they have an addiction, you know, or just because they have, I guess, a problem that wasn't our marriage. I don't need to stay silent. I need to at least talk to him because he needs to know how I feel. So yeah. <laughs> what, what, what were you feeling? You said disgust or sick. What, what, what were you thinking? No, I didn't feel disgust towards him at first. I think I felt really sick to my stomach. I felt, um, I guess kind of like that he was, he was looking at these things instead of coming to me and being honest and, you know, saying, hey, I need some intimacy or, you know, I feel, I'm feeling a little, you know, neglected or, or whatever his feelings were at the time. You know, I, I kind of felt, I guess, emotionally cheated on mostly, like he was just kind of going somewhere else for something that I could easily or readily give him, but he would choose rather to go somewhere else. And so I felt, in a way, I guess, betrayed as well. Right. So how long did it take you to uh, approach him on that? Was it immediate or did you wait some time? You pray over it. What was your process in, in bringing this up with Brett? I don't think I prayed about it at all. I think it was more, I think the first time I kind of approached him and I was just like, hey, I think about after a week, I was like, I saw this, you know, what's your deal? I don't think the first time, I think the first time in our marriage, I really was not as patient as he makes me out to be <laughs> kind of understandable in a hot headed manner. And I said, you know, this is not okay. And we need to fix this. And, um, he apologized and we had a few words. And then after that, we didn't really discuss it again until I found it again. And then I was like, look, we've really got to fix this. And I think it was within another month that I found more. And I just said, we need to figure this out. Because I feel like, you know, you're you're not, you know, trusting me with your problem, or you're not wanting to talk to me about when you need certain things or when you want certain things. I think within that first, what two months, 
we really had a lot of discussions about it. Yeah. Wow, that's I'm loving what I'm hearing here because it it sounds like, and I realize we're removed, what, 11 years from that incident, but the way you're even describing it, it it seems like um, you did, in fact, have patience around it. It it doesn't sound like you were attacking them or yelling at them, or or were you? Was there any kind of uh, anger expressed in in that fashion? I think I cried a lot. Okay. I don't think, did I ever yell at you? I don't, I, don't, I don't think there was ever really any yelling. Um, it never felt like she was mad or hurt. She was more hurt, betrayed, um, things like that than she was so from, anything else. Brett, from your perspective, uh, did she? Did you feel like she was inviting with the conversation, or did you? Because sometimes spouses will say, "You're, you're talk to me. I'm here to talk." But there's still this. Um, emotional experience like you better not say anything (laughs) bad about this or or that you're doing it again and so on one hand it's it's talk to me about it but there better not be anything new kind of experience what was your end of that experience no i i I never felt i don't know i i guess um everything for me was always really positive like like i said she never really came at me attacking she never got mad i could just tell how hurt she was and i guess there were probably points where i didn't feel like she really understood what i was going through um so you know we have had our issues when it comes to intimacy where i think we've been on different pages and different wavelengths but at the same time i never felt i was being attacked either or the issues i was having that's excellent so brett at this point when you were caught or she found out um would, how would you compare that usage to prior to your marriage? Do you, would you say it was more than what you were experiencing before the marriage, less or I, about I think, the same? I think, I think for a while there it got worse, probably to the point where it was two or three times a week, but still never where it consumed me, but it, it did get worse um, for a period of time. And your wife pointed out that, you know, there's intimacy issues. Is that what you would also point that towards? Or what do you think was driving that behavior? I, I think the the lack of intimacy. So how did you guys start to navigate? Now it's all out on the table. We know this. Shandy is saying, hey, talk to me. I keep finding this stuff. Uh, how did it proceed from there? Where did you guys go with it? We... I think we decided that we were going to set up boundaries for him to help him first off. I think we decided to, um, you know, he couldn't, this, I don't know, this might sound rude towards him, but he couldn't look at the laptop after, you know, or get on the computer after a certain time of the day, or um, we were able to block certain sites or we put a password and he would, so it might sound like I was parenting him, but we both discussed this is probably the best way for him was for me to be more in control over the things that he was able to or to not get onto with our computer. And then after we both felt like, I guess, it calmed down a little bit, we decided we were just going to discuss more. Um, just have more conversation. More conversation about it. Hey, look, I'm struggling really bad today, you know. And I was like, okay, how can I help you? Or, you know, okay, let's, you know, remove the laptop for the day or things like that. You think? Yeah. Was that, yeah. (laughs) Was that helpful to you, Brett? I I think so. Um, 
I mean, I'd, I'd be lying if I didn't say there were times where I was felt like I was being controlled or being parented, but yeah. I think at the same time, it was the best thing for me at the time to help us both through a difficult time. I, I'm, I'm glad and you... It wasn't, go ahead. I said, and it wasn't like I, I... I don't think, in my mind, it wasn't like I was saying, well, you know, you can't get on this, this, and this time. Mm-hmm. We would sit down. Yeah. And we would say, okay, what's a good time for you not to get on the laptop or, you know, for him to express it? Because, like I said, I didn't want to feel like I was controlling him or parenting him. You know, I was his wife, his spouse. I wasn't his mother or babysitter, I guess. I, I'm glad that you both are pointing this out. Uh, that's one of the biggest concerns I have when I work with couples in navigating porn issues is one becomes the manager in the relationship. And, uh, it sounds like you guys took measures to prevent that while also holding some sort of accountability with each other. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. So how long did this go on? This, this managing, did it work? And if it did work, how long? And if it didn't, what did you guys end up doing? I think it was up until after we had our second son or our first, our first son, our second yeah, child. Second child. So probably it was, Two, two and a half years. Yeah. So tell, tell me what that maybe average daily experience was. Were you taking the computer away from Brett or how did that work logistically? He would usually bring it to me um, or I would just take it and I would just put it away or we even had a password on it that he didn't know. I think when we did get smartphones, he did ask me and brought me his phone and said, please put a password on it. Um, and so I think we just kind of both, I don't think one of us really, after a while, I don't think one of us really took control. I think he realized that it hurt my feelings. And so we both kind of worked on it together. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. And so after two and a half years of doing this, uh, what happened then? Uh, did things change? Improve I, I think they changed just because I was learning how to, I, I, I guess my frequency was diminishing and I was, I was learning how to deal with it better. And I was, I was getting to the point where I didn't need as much, I guess, babysitting is the best way to put it. Sure, <laughs> sure. Well, I think our communication even got more better in those two years because it was something that we were talking about more and he was open and willing to let me express myself when, you know, when I did catch other things or he was willing to just sit there and he was willing to listen and I was willing to listen to him. And I think we worked more on our communication. And then over time, I think we worked on our intimacy too afterwards, after we communicated more. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely does. Would you be willing to recall or share how one of those interchanges worked with you? Uh, you know, you're bringing it up. How did those discussions work? You, I'm really liking what I'm hearing in, in that you listen to each other. That's a very difficult thing for people to do, especially if you're finding pornography or another incident. How did you learn how to handle that, uh, I guess, maturely and as adults? I don't know. I don't know if there was ever anything that we learned to do. It's just kind of been that's always been 
our relationship. I've, I've always been comfortable talking to Shimbi and, and she's always been a very understanding person. I mean, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess there's not much to say in how we learned. I guess the communication has always just been there. I think for me, I think for me, the communication has always been there, but I think for me, it was kind of a lack of, uh, what's the right word? Um, understanding, I guess, or a lack of empathy. I don't, I don't know. I, um, I a, a lack of empathy sometimes. from, from you or from him? For him, like for his struggles. I oh. think I was not very sympathetic towards any of his struggles, even his, you know, daily struggles with work or, or school. And I found that I was more less empathetic. I guess that's the right way of putting it. And so when I would find those problems, I think I knew that I should talk about it with him. And I know knew that I should share my feelings, but I think I was growing increasingly more frustrated um, just because I didn't see results the <laughs> way I wanted them. And so what I would do is I would, um, I would, every time I would have, a, you know, say my prayers or my personal prayers, I would just, you know, help me to love my husband. And it wasn't that I didn't love him. It was that I needed to learn how to love him in the way that I guess God saw him, not just as my husband, but, mm. you know, as my friend and as a son of God. And so I would honestly, you know, I would say a prayer, you know, help me to love my husband. And it was in, you know, love him in a different way. But yeah. T- tell me more about that and different so for- way. What, what was the different way that you were discovering? Well, it was, you know, I loved him and I appreciated him, but I don't think I um, quite wholeheartedly, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Like I, I knew he, who he was and I knew that he was, you know, my best friend and that I loved him and I wanted the best for him. But I think I would just kind of get irritated. I was, like okay you know well you're struggling let's move on you know let's move on because <laughs> yeah. that's kind of how I was I was ready to you're struggling all right you said it now move on and I was like well you know I don't think God ever looks at us and is like really okay another prayer about you know <laughs> your struggle let's move on and I was like that's not very in the long term I didn't feel like that was the most sympathetic answer and you know, all of us want to be heard and all of us want to be understood, even if it's the same exact thing over and over again. And so I felt like I needed to love him in a eternal perspective. Is that the right way I would say it? I don't know. Now, you, I think you're getting me a little emotional here. Uh, the way you're <laughs> describing this is, is, Shindy, is the message that I hope a lot of people hear. This is key. Uh, it is hard to describe that empathy. It's one thing to say I'm your friend. I'm here to talk about it. It's a completely different thing to be able to say, I want to understand. Uh, and the, the analogy you gave was, uh, you know, Heavenly Father doesn't say, okay, get on with, move on, right? <laughs> he takes yeah, time yeah. to understand. Um, I don't know if that necessarily means you need to go into all the nitty gritty and the details of what you're viewing. But um, Brett, did you experience that from Shindy, on your end, did you feel like, oh my goodness, I'm able to talk about this even more? I know you you have an open communication with her, but did you feel that empathy start to be 
uh, increased in the relationship? I did. And, and you know, and it's, it's something that we've talked about, you know, and I think she's still working on it even still today because there was a point in our relationship where it was like, you know, and, and not just with my issue with pornography, but like you said, I'm with, you know, every day where I'd come home and I'd be really upset from work and she'd just kind of be like, okay, well, you're home now, move on, get over it. Um, not that I would say that to your face, but that, that, was, <laughs> that was kind of the vibe that you yeah. had to get. Yeah. Um, and, and through our discussions, I've, I've definitely seen a change recently. Um, and over the years, really, not just recently, but um, there has been a change. And I have seen her try to be more understanding and, and know where I'm coming from and just wanting to see me be better in every sense of the word. Was there a point in your relationship, and it sounds like maybe not, but I, I don't want to assume it, that, um, Shindy, maybe you said, okay, again, this is happening, and I can't have this anymore, I'm I'm done. Um, was that an experience that you had or uh, considered? Um, I think there was a point about, was it four years ago, um, where he had lost his job, and so he became quite um, set back in his old ways, I guess, where he was just struggling and, and it was the same conversation or the same maybe argument that we had and that I would find the porn again. And that would just add on to it. And I think um, we'd hit quite a low point. And I just said, if this doesn't, you know, if this doesn't get fixed or if we can't discuss this like we used to, then I'm just, I'm going to have to be done. And I think it was, it wasn't just necessarily the form, but I think it was everything else. And then the form just kind of added to it. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it was a real stressful time in your life. And, uh, you both were kind of burnt out. Yeah. <laughs> How long ago was that? How many years ago? Uh, that was back in 2013. Okay, about five. Uh, what is that now? <laughs> We're in 2019. Six years ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we 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 moved we moved to Nevada. Just had had a new baby. Just had had a new baby. Oh my you goodness! Know, I was in a job for three months and lost it. This is uh, um, this is what we we often interview for uh, intake when we when we have new clients coming. We we check for all these major life events. This is usually why people are coming in. Is you had you had like the big three or four. Uh, a move, a uh, life-changing event, a baby, a uh, loss of job. This was huge, a lot of stress, which. Yeah, all, yeah. all, all at the same time. <laughs> no, no wonder. It, it, what was nice here, though, is I, I like, Shindy, what you said was we need to be able to talk about this like we did before. A lot of couples don't have that experience to fall back on. And so when you hit this major point in your life, in your marriage, if you didn't have those positive experiences, do you, we all hope to think that we would be just as encouraging, but do you feel like if you didn't have those positive experiences fall back on, you would have been as willing? I'm not sure. I mean, um, you know, we were able to, we were able to talk once before and, you know, and I had always knew that I needed somebody who I really knew before I could marry 
um, just because of my personality and things that had happened in my past, I really needed a good friend. And I needed him to be a friend first, you know, before I married him. And I think if we hadn't been, I don't think we would have maybe had as strong of a relationship. I think I would have maybe cut off our relationship and um, not talked to him like I You mean during the dating the, the dating phase? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. I think because we were friends for a really long time and we learned how to communicate and then we learned how to communicate even more in a, in a marriage, I think that helped, that helped us later on when we had that big problem. Because if, I feel like if you don't know how to communicate to your spouse and you don't know how to express your feelings, but then, you know, your spouse doesn't reciprocate, you know, listening or expressing their feelings as well, I don't think, I think it just, leads to shutting off and, you know, feeling like maybe the other person doesn't understand or doesn't want to understand. And so I think where I already knew that he wanted to understand my feelings and he cared about my feelings, then I think it was easier for us to fall back on to what we used to do or we used to talk a lot. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. My goodness. You mentioned also that having these discussions help improve your intimacy. Is that... And did I hear you guys correct correctly? Yes. How how did that help? Being able to, I mean, I I don't want to make the assumption again. Just being able to talk openly helps that experience. But here you are dealing with pornography, and what a lot of couples experience is because pornography is mixed into it, it actually makes the intimacy more difficult. How did these discussions allow for it to uh, improve? I, I I guess having the understanding that. Um, I wasn't necessarily choosing the pornography over her. Um, I knew I was able to talk through things with her and really talk talk about where where it was all coming from and, and trying to get to a point where she knew that it wasn't me necessarily choosing it over her. I, I think that's where our, it, it improved our intimacy, our ability to talk and things like that. What about you, Shindy, what was it like for you? How did that help improve your your side of the intimacy? Um, I think that, you know, because I always kind of had um, the issues of low self-esteem, like I said before, um, things that happened to me as a child. And so I think I had a lot of intimacy issues, but and a hard time for me to realize that, you know, maybe he actually did, you know, love me or want me. And so when he would communicate to me, you know, I, you know, I want you, I need you, or, you know, send little texts back and forth. I think it helped me realize, okay, yeah, he does want me. And he was able to communicate that with me more. Like he would talk to me more about it instead of just, you know, coming up and hugging on me and kissing me. And then he's like, okay, let's, you know, let's do this. It was more of a, okay, he, you know, he wants me for more than just, you know, having sex or things like that. So for him to communicate, you know, with me to be like, you know, I, I do love you and I do want you and, it's, you know, more than just to satisfy the need of, you know, wanting to look at pornography, I guess. It was that he really, he actually did want me. Like, and it wasn't pornography. And you felt that from him. Yeah, I felt like long, for a long time, I think I felt like pornography was a substitute for me. Mm. And so in my mind, it was, he was cheating on me. 
in my mind because he was substituting the pornography for me. And then when he would communicate, you know, I I want you and I need you, or hey, look, I'm struggling with, you know, I'm really tempted to look at pornography, and he would tell me that, and he'd be like, oh, okay, he's not. It's not that he, you know, that we're not having sex right now. It's that he you know, is actually struggling with something and he's willing to talk to me about that struggle. And it's not that he's trying to replace me. Because if he was replacing me, I feel like that he would not want to discuss it with me. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Wow, that's a that's a huge paradigm shift to be able to start, it, to believe his words, he's flirting with me, he's really wanting me, he's craving me and believing his words and, and embracing that. That's That's a beautiful step forward. Now, these experiences, how have they helped shape your teaching your kids? So you, they're about to enter into their teenage years. Got a couple of years on the, on the oldest one there. Um, how has that shaped your conversations with the children? I, I think they've allowed us to be a lot more open with our children. Um, you know, I, I feel, especially in LDS culture, I feel like sex has become very taboo. It's not something that you should ever discuss. You talk to your mom. Um, and so I, I think these experiences between me and Shindy have really allowed us to be open with our children. And not so shameful towards them. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like they can come and tell us, you know, okay, I, I saw a naked person and they wouldn't feel like we would come down on them, shame them, things like that. And so I feel like there's just a lot of openness. So how do you handle that with a 10-year-old? Uh, what does that open conversation look like? What kind of words do you use or how do you gauge your language with with your children on, on those topics? I saw a naked person. What do you say next? Well, we did. We had an incident, what was it, two years ago, where a friend of our daughter's had shown her some things on YouTube. And I checked you know, the, the iPads and stuff after they're done playing with them, just to, you know, keep an eye out. Cause I know that happens at such a young age. And, um, I come across some stuff and I, so I just, I went up to her and I mean, just, you know, as honest, I don't want to skirt around it because it's there and I need to be as honest with her as I possibly can, you know? And so I said, is there just, you know, is there something you want to tell me? And she said, no. And I said, all right. I said, well, <laughs> she said, I found this. And, you know, I mean, what 10-year-old honestly of wants course, to say, well, yes. I found this. And so I said, I found some things on, you know, the iPad that were inappropriate. And, you know, you probably should not have seen. And I said, what happened? And, you know, I was trying not to shame her or make her feel guilty or, you know, make her feel like, you know, she can't come to me. And. She just said, well, my friend, you know, wanted to look up, you know, what was it, how babies were made or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, we already had that discussion. And she goes, yeah, but she wanted to show me some other things. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. I said, well, when she showed you those things, how did that make you feel? And she goes, well, it kind of made me feel yuck or sick in my stomach. And I said, okay. I said, well, why didn't you come talk to me? And she goes, well, I was, I was a little scared. And then after she left, I didn't think about it. And I said, okay. I said, well, sometimes you just forget things. But that's okay. He said, so, you know, so we talked about how she felt. And then we talked about in the future, 
if something like this happens, you know, what can she do or who, who can she talk to? Who are her, what's the, her safe people, I guess. Yeah. And we said, some of these things might make you feel a certain way. And I said, and that's okay. And it's normal. I said, the only, I guess I, what I told her is the only problem is, is when you're looking at it all the time. He said, or when you feel like you need to look at it. I said, then that's kind of a problem. Or keep said, it a secret. I don't want you to feel like. Yeah. And I said, I don't want you to feel like that you can't come talk to me. I said, do you want to feel like you want to talk to your dad and talk to me? And just because it was our daughter, you know, I didn't want to, you know, exclude my husband. And I wanted her to feel like she could talk to both of us. Oh, not wow. Mom. And so we did it with both of us sitting there. We sat her down with both of us and we said, you know that how this works and now babies are made and you know, if you feel uncomfortable about anything, come talk to mom and dad. And if you feel uncomfortable talking to dad, you can talk to me or, you know, I wanted her to know that we were both there, not just one of us just because she was, you know, female, I guess, like the mom. Yeah. You've identified it as safe. I like that that word. Even when I have kids come into the office, that's one of the very first discussions uh, that I have with their parents there is uh, parents bringing in because of exposure to pornography or whatnot. We identify immediately safe people. We don't just have this uh, discussion around sex or naked people with any person, even though you may view me as a therapist. Um, this is not this is not sacred or shameful. Um, uh, excuse me, secret. <laughs> it is sacred. <laughs> um, it's not secret. We don't hold those secrets from from the safe people. And we identify, as, I, I really like that you did that, but also acknowledge that there may be still discomfort around that. If, if you're not comfortable talking to dad about it, still come talk to me. Have you seen her? Mm-hmm. Uh, has there been episodes since then where she was able to follow through with those discussions? No, I don't think she's ever... Um, I don't think so. Uh, we, we haven't had to address that issue again yet. Oh, good. <laughs> That's good. Um, yes. <laughs> so in general, how does your conversations around, uh, it sounds like you did talk to her about how babies are made. Is this an ongoing discussion? Do you, do you freely talk about uh, sexuality in the home? How do you continue to set that atmosphere within your home? I, I think, I think just because, you know, especially at the day and age we're in, we try to have some kind of discussion, especially with our daughter, with, with her starting to hit the puberty age. Um, I, you know, I I think we try to sit down with her every... We sit down with the kids, I think, general, every couple of months, and we do have a discussion on, um, you know, if somebody touches you here or somebody touches you there, we, uh, we what do we call it, um... Stop touch. Stop touch or go touch. Oh, love that. And, well, because, um, what's the other phrase that they usually use at the beginning? Because sometimes, you know, stop touch kind of feels good. So it's not a good touch or bad touch. It's stop touch or go touch. Um, and so we, we try every couple of months, we try to have a family home evening based on, okay, if you see this, you know, or if you see that. And we try not to go into like, too much detail, but enough for them to understand, yeah. How do you feel the other kids are picking up? Is this just for the older kids, or you do this even with the seven-year-old and, and the one-year-old? I guess the one-year-old really isn't well, picking our, up too much. Well, our, our, 
our, our seven-year-old just kind of giggles at it. And it's kind of the same <laughs> with my nine-year-old. I don't think they're at the point where they really understand yet. Well, our, our nine-year-old has some... We're currently in that process of trying to get us tested for autism and ADHD and stuff. Oh, so wow. Yeah. When we, had our, when we had our baby a year ago, we were waiting for the question for the boys to ask. And, you know, they never really did until maybe about six months ago, our seven-year-old. He's like, well, how are babies made? And I said, all right. I said, well, I just basically gave him the basic talk. You know, I didn't, I didn't say, well, mommy and daddy love each other. And when they get together, I'm just like, well, you have the, you know, the penis and the vagina, and you have to, you know, try to explain it to him the best you can. You got to put them together, and you know, and God gave them certain ways, and that's how they make a baby. And he was just like, oh, okay, and he didn't mention it again, and. Huh. But then when I tried to explain it to my nine-year-old, he just... He, he busted up laughing. Yeah, he stopped for a second, and he just busted up, and he goes, that's silly. And then he was just done. Interesting. Yeah. That's a typical reaction from, from a kid, whether or not there's there's autism or not. Uh, so it's it's impressive that you're still engaging with that conversation and setting that, that tone for the family. What would you, from your experiences... Um, would you advise other parents uh, any anything that you um, have learned that oh my goodness this is not the best way to handle it or how you would do it differently what what do you feel would be the most important thing to take away from what you're sharing today I I think for me the most important thing um, don't attack your children yeah whether whether it's, whether it's between spouses or or dealing with children is to be open, to be understanding, and, and never make someone feel shamed. Um, and that's been the biggest thing with with Shindy and, and that I've learned is that, you know, she's never shamed me for, for my addiction. She's never shamed me for looking. She's always wanted to, I think, understand why I look, why I felt the need. And I think we were able to pass that down to our kids, you know, if, if our 10-year-old going on 11-year-old were to come to us tonight and say, okay, this is what I did, I think we'd be able to sit down and have an open conversation where she didn't feel judged by us. She didn't feel shamed by us. She didn't feel like she was the worst person on earth, but she knew that she was loved and still cared for no matter what. And I think that's the best we can give your kids is not attacking them for looking at pornography or, or anything else. Now that's, I, I'm curious, Brett, do you think there would be a point in, in your children's, um, life that if, if your 10 year old, or I guess any one of your kids, uh, was struggling with this, would you share with them your personal experiences with this? Absolutely. I really value that. I think that's, Um, uh, something that I, I think, I think, I mean, I guess if there's anything good that can come out of my pornography addiction, it would be to share my own experiences and and why and and take from my personal experiences to help my kids or any of my kids. I love that. I think that's uh, important for us to do. I think we're so hesitant to even share our own personal experiences around this. I don't know if it's a fear of triggering our kids or somehow letting them know that, Hey, it's okay because I had the problem or, uh, but the reality is I think our youth need to see more 
great people like yourself that, hey, this is a reality and we can still be great Latter-day Saints and we if we handle it in this way and uh, are supportive with our spouse uh, in this way. And so I, I really praise you both for handling uh, it in the way that you have. And I, I think the key for me here was hearing the friendship that occurred prior to marriage. I realize not a lot of relationships or some relationships don't have that that blessing of, of having such a, a good relationship before, which is kind of ironic, right? That's what we want to do. We want to marry our best friends and to be able to, it, it seems like a, a no brainer, right? But I, I think it's, uh, it actually isn't as common as, is, um, and I hope this isn't me just being naysaying, but I don't see that a lot, a, a true friendship to be able to say, you know, what? I know who you are. I know, I know your heart and, Shindy, you even said, even even with that, though, you, you establish some boundaries, and that's completely healthy and appropriate in a relationship, even a good friendship like that, uh, like you, you have. And, and then it continues to develop. What's that? I said I definitely got lucky. Wow, that's that's beautiful. I think this is a, a good lesson to hear for, for me, and I hope uh, the listeners are getting uh, what they needed out of this. Uh, any final thoughts? I don't think so. Oh, I, think, I think we covered uh, a majority of your married life here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's just, you know, it's just the same thing. It's, you know, not, it's not just a male problem and it's, it can be a female problem too. And I think, you know, sometimes the first impulse is to lash out, you know, and even if you do lash out, just, you know, be quick to say I'm sorry you know sometimes in a moment of anger you say something that you shouldn't or you reacted the way you shouldn't and try to be you know open and honest with each other and I mean even if it takes a few days to finally communicate your full feelings yes for a couple of weeks even it's just I think it's just that was our biggest thing and I think that's the biggest thing that's helped us the most is communicating and you know even if we struggled with communication we were at least trying to communicate yeah that's that's the biggest thing for me is talk 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 talk. I mean, even if at some point it feels really uncomfortable, just keep talking because that's ultimately learning that communication is, is what's going to keep moving you forward. I appreciate that insight from both of you. I appreciate you taking the time to to meet with me here today, and um, wish you continued success in your your. Uh, navigating this with you and each of you and your family thank you thank you thank you